Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to All Shores on this beautiful Sunday morning. Would you please stand with us and join us in worship this morning?
we are grateful, Lord, that while we are yet imperfect people, God, while we fall so short, God, that you are a God who approaches us with open arms. God, that we have nothing to prove, we have nothing to show. God, that it's not by our works, but God, it's by our open hearts and faith. Lord, that you welcome us into your family. And God, we do just ask today as we come together in this place, God, I pray over our time together, Lord, that your spirit reach out to each of us. God, that you would reveal to us your love for us as your children. God, may our hearts be one of response, of openness, of surrender to you today. God, we look to you and we just cry out. Have our whole life, God. Have us all. We pray this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus.
Come on, let's surrender our hearts to Him. Oh, you can have it all. Sing it out. Every part of
these words. I love this part. To the one who endured all the shame of the cross. To the Lamb who was slain as atonement for us. To the Son who overcame all the power of death. We praise for the stripes. For the stripes, for the wounds, for the beating you bore. For the tears, for the blood that was willingly poured. For the merciful, wonderful majesty of your Thank you, Jesus. We worship your holy name.
Jesus is the King of kings. We give him all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. He is our Father in heaven who created this beautiful world we live in and loves us and cares about every detail of our lives. And we can trust him with that. We're going to take time just to seek him now through a time of prayer. And I simply invite you, if you came in with a need today, something that's heavy on your heart, maybe it's uh, for you or a friend or a family member that you want to pray for, just to simply have a seat. Just a way of acknowledging our need for God and ask him to move in our lives. And some people will simply come around you and put their hand on your shoulder and just be reminded that you are not in this alone. You know, you are free to, to join us online too. Maybe you just want to kneel or sit where you're at and say, God, I need you to move. Let's pray together. Father God, you are the creator. You have the whole world. God, as I, I walked out this morning and saw the new life blooming, the things turning green, it's reminded, God, that you are the author of life, that you bring beauty out of ashes, that you bring life out of death, that you bring light into darkness, Lord. And I just pray for every situation in this room and online, God, that you would bring hope, that you would bring healing, that you would bring restoration, that you would bring light to dark places, that you would bring hope where it seems like there is no hope, that you would bring provision where provision is needed, God, that you would remind us that you are for us, that you have great plans for our life. And I pray that you would just whisper your love into our ears now. Just remind us that you are God and you are good. And Father, we love you and we trust you in all these things. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, well, I just want to say happy Mother's Day because it is Mother's Day and it's an exciting day, a day that we want to celebrate. And when I think of mothers, I think of not only my mom, but I think of all those uh, women who were an influence in my life. I think of my stepmom and my grandmother and my aunts and my sisters and teachers and so many women that influenced me. And I know that, you know, if you're a woman and you're here today, that you have had influence in people's lives and we're grateful for that. And we want to simply pray for you now. Uh, let me do that. Maybe if your mom is here, maybe put your arm around her. If you see another, maybe a mom sitting by herself, put, put your hand on her shoulder and just remind her that you love them as God does. So let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just thank you for each and every mom that is here today, Lord. We thank you for the sacrifices that they have made in our lives, how they have took care of us when we couldn't take care of ourselves. They've taken care of us when we're sick. They've driven us to games and fed us and listened to us and cared for us even when it was difficult. We think of all those times that they have been there for us, and we are grateful for our moms, Lord. We are so thankful. I think of the young moms who are in the midst of diapers and formula and sleepless nights, God, that you would give them just incredible patience and vision for the future. I thank you for moms of, of older kids that are going through elementary school and middle school and high school and just those challenges that that bring, that you would give them a listening ear and instruction and love just to guide these kids. I think of the moms who are sending kids off to college or maybe off uh, getting married and are maybe now empty nesters, Lord, that you would just comfort them where that is sad and where that is hard. God, we thank you for moms at every stage of life. We are so grateful for how they influence us, how they care for us. Lord, and I think of all those women that play the role of mom in our lives. And we are thankful for that, whether you're our foster mom, a, a stepmom, an adoptive mom, whether you're an aunt and a sister, a, a cousin, whether you are a teacher or a mentor, Lord, we are grateful for each and every one of these women that you have put in our lives to guide us, to comfort us, to lead us, to care for us. God, we ask now that you would pour out your blessing on each one of them. 
that they would be reminded of how much you love them. And we also think of the days, those that this is a really difficult day for. We think of moms who are haven't had children yet or maybe have not been able to have children for those who have lost kids or for those who have lost their mom and maybe this is their first Mother's Day without them or just a reminder that mom is not there to call and ask for advice anymore. Think of those who just have difficult relationships with their mom or kids and we know that this day is not always a great day for them so we just ask in the midst of that Lord that you would bring comfort that you would bring hope. God we thank you for our moms. We thank you that you are moving in their lives as well. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, why don't you have a seat? We have a Mother's Day video for you. One of my favorite memories of my mom. My favorite memory of my mom. My favorite memory of my mom is staying up to watch Saturday Night Live with her when I was a kid. And we would usually have popcorn or ice cream. And she would usually put barbecue potato chips on her chocolate ice cream, which grossed me out every time. She always saw people on the margins, people uh, in everyday life, and uh, really truly cared for them, enough so that uh, she built relationships with individuals uh, that she would write letters to and encourage, and even to this day stays in touch with. We used to go on these awesome bike rides together growing up that she would take me on these uh, longer rides and we would just spend time riding together, laughing, enjoying nature. And I really think it's why I am the way I am, somebody who loves to be active, be outside. So thanks mom for that. When I was in high school, she took me out of school for the day to film a tap dance routine for her work Christmas party. And she is a queen. Love you mom, happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, I appreciate you. You're always there for me. Keep doing what you're doing, you're a great mother. Happy Mother's Day. When I was a teenager, uh, it was my birthday, and I really wanted my first phone. And so my mom made, made me a cake for my birthday. I got to start cutting into my cake. I start cutting into this cake, something lumpy is in it. So I start beating it with the knife. My mom's like, okay, stop. Opens up the cake. Here I find my phone. It was a legendary move. You can make yourself hysterically laugh at your own jokes. It always brings a smile to our face as a family and I think it's just super fun and um, entertaining to be around as well. I love my mom because I know that she has always loved me to the best of her ability. Thank you for supporting me with my academics and sports. Love you. I love my mom because she's always been there for me and, uh, and praying for me on a regular basis. One of the reasons I love my mom is just because she is just such a amazing caregiver. She is such an amazing person. Mom, I love you very much. You're awesome. And I love you so much and only wish you the happiest Mother's Day. Love you. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you. I love my mom because she is the strongest woman that I know, the kindest person I know, the most sacrificial person I know, um, and the funniest. Love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. Yes, happy Mother's Day again. Welcome to All Shores. We are so glad that you are with us this morning, whether you are right here in person or you are joining us online. And either way, we want to connect with you. We want to get to know you better. We want to help you take steps in your faith and your journey here at All Shores. So the best way to do that, if you're online, is to click on that link and fill out the connection card. If you're here in the room, in front of you in the seat is that QR code. You can open up your phone, 
point your camera at that and your uh, QR code or the connection card will magically appear. You can put prayer requests in there. You can ask questions, change your address, all kinds of great ways that we can communicate, but also to help you connect with us and us to connect with you in that way. There's also a connection point out in the lobby. To my left, if you walk out the doors, there's a counter over there. If you want to connect in person, we would love to meet with you and connect with you and just kind of help you grow and be part of the family here. Well, this is also the part of our service where we receive God's tithes and our offerings. And this really truly is just one more way that we worship. We really worship when we trust God with our finances. When we tell him we want to be a part of what you are doing in our church, in our community, and in the kingdom. And we want to do that through a financial investment. We are so grateful that you are generous so we can be a generous church. Now, if you are, are new here, if this is your first time visiting, this is something that we do as a church family. We don't, there's no expectation that you be part of that. We just are glad that you're here for our service. But if you are prepared to give, there's ways to give online on the screen behind me, and there are offering boxes on the way out either way. So we are thankful for you for being here today. Now, if you'll turn your attention to the screen, we have more information about what's happening here. excited to go to camp um, because I wanted to meet new people and uh, have new experiences. I made a ton of new friends at camp um, and we stayed in contact after camp and we're really good friends now. Um, we did um, team comps which is where four teams compete and it's super fun and at the end there's a team cheer where you work on alt week and then you perform it and that's really fun and you also um, go to worship and you go to chapel and you have sessions where you learn about God and then you talk with your small group which is really fun. God wanted me to be at NTS camp and I think that he wanted me to um, learn about him through NTS. I learned about his path for me and I learned how to grow closer to him my life looks different now that I've been at camp because I've been reading my Bible every night now and I've started a routine. It feels really good um, to have a routine because I'm just able to grow closer to him and like have it structured and nice, which is something that I struggled with. Five years from now, I will definitely remember um, growing closer to God from NTS camp. Hey church, we are so excited as we head towards the start of another summer group semester. Groups will launch Sunday, June 4th, and our online directory will go live the weekend before that, Memorial Day weekend. Our groups gather around so many different things. We say our groups are as diverse as we are. You can gather around a book, or maybe you're going out to eat or coffee. Maybe your group gathers around an activity that you do together. Here's what we know. Life is a team sport that we truly are better together, that amazing things happen when people come together and build relationship. And summer is one of the best times to meet new people and build new relationships. We would love to help you get plugged in, whether you want to lead a group, launch a group, join a group. Now is the time to get involved and meet some new people. If you need some help, just email groups at allshores.org or go to allshores.org slash groups.
Well, I want to welcome those joining us online and all of you here at the Spring Lake campus. We're in our final week of a series we've titled, Who is Jesus? Looking not only at who he came to be, what it means that he came, but how the church saw him and today kind of this final picture. So I want to invite you in the quiet before we open the scriptures to pray that you be honest with God about what you need, where you are, what's going on for you from doubt to confidence and everywhere in between kind of atrophying or growing, whatever it is, just ask him to speak to you. You pray in the quiet, and then I'll, I'll pray for us. Lord, I confess to you today, as I do often, that there is nothing I can say that will convince anyone or persuade anyone. But I also confess today that you are the God of revelation. So I'm asking you to reveal yourself. I don't know where it's needed or how it's needed, but reveal yourself to us. And Lord, anything I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground. Let it be forgotten. But I do ask that whatever is from you, Lord, that your spirit would breathe life into us, whether through my words, whether through the scripture itself, or whether directly you speak and you lead and Lord, I pray again, the words of my mouth and the meditation, the reflections of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said, amen. amen. As I said, we're in this last week of the series that we've titled, Who is Jesus? We've been looking first in the accounts, the gospels, it kind of in a sense, we've been looking for these bigger themes. So things that have become almost hymn-like that have been understandings of the church over our history. And so we looked in the Gospel of John, we looked at different letters and how the early church saw Jesus. And today we're going to go to a very unique uh, kind of image and understanding of Jesus through the book of Revelation. We're going to give some background to this. In case you don't know, Revelation is what we call an eschatological and also prophetic book, meaning there's all these images in it that are somewhat dreamlike and vision-like. In fact, John, who's the one that shares Revelation with us, who experiences it, is at the time of writing, he is exiled on an island completely by himself with only sea surrounding him. And in that context, God gives him visions and understandings of what we'd say is going on in heaven and what ultimately will occur. And so I want to give you some background as we look at one excerpt, kind of one scene that John is taken up to. Because in Revelation 4, he's taken up to heaven. And I need to give you some background to get to the scene we're going to get at. So I want to give you the characters that are seen in the vision to begin with. And so you'll see the throne, 24 elders, seven lamps, a sea of crystal glass, and four creatures at the center. And I want to be clear, John was not trying opiates on the island. This is a legitimate crazy, wild vision. And what we want to do is make sense of it and see what God might want to say to us today through it. So let me just give you the picture, and then I'm going to tell you a few things that happened because it kind of leads up to where we're going today. So in Revelation 4, John has already written all these letters to seven different churches, kind of images, and they're all prophetic as well. They're, there's really kind of interesting language to all of them and images. So in this one, when he's up in heaven, he sees the throne. Now, that's clearly where God himself is, on the throne. And then around that throne, he sees 24 other thrones, mini thrones, if you will, mini thrones, and then there's the big throne, okay? And around these 24 thrones, very simply, there are 24 elders 
And, and you may go, okay, I don't get it. There's one throne, there's 24, why 24? And we all speculate, there's lots of it about it. One of the basic understandings is kind of the idea that the 12 tribes are 12 of those thrones, and the other 12 are the 12 apostles, just the idea of the 12 around Jesus. So it's this picture of completeness, if you will. But all we know, there's 24 elders in the vision, and what we know is they are wearing white, an image of the very righteousness of Jesus, and they have gold crowns. That's what we know. So one throne, 24 around it, 24 elders, and then, in a very kind of beautiful and mysterious way, he starts to describe these seven lamps around there. They're flaming lamps. And he says, these are the seven spirits of God. Not really meaning there are seven Holy Spirits, meaning the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And it's going out into the earth. The idea of the Spirit is present and emanating from the throne, but living into the very world we're in. He describes this sea of glass like crystal, this beautiful sea which, by the way, had to be something else when he's sitting on this island and it's all he can see, too. For him, it's isolation. For there, it's the very nature of heaven. This beautiful picture. And then at the center is something that we'd all go, okay, of all the other things, they make some sense, but there's a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle, four living creatures. And by the way, they all have six wings, which is an image. I just want you to get the image because it's so cool. So the idea of two of the wings, as he tells us in Isaiah, two of them are covering the face and two are the feet. The idea of holiness. So they're worshiping, that's what that image is, and two of them, they're flying around. And then it says they have eyes all over them. So again, if we try to just think of this as natural, it's like, that just sounds crazy weird, doesn't it? And there's lots of ways to understand it. <laughs> yep. So that's all there is. It's just weird. No, we, there's, you want to take kind of imagery from this, what could it mean? Now, the church in its early years and really throughout it has considered those four living creatures potentially as the four accounts of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. You can also consider them the, the four main kind of leaders of the different kingdoms of, of beings. So there's man himself, there's the lion, there's the ox, it's just domesticated, and then the eagle, which is over birds. It, 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 all you need to know is it's this idea of something significant about all of creation and these four living creatures are surrounding the throne and their eyes see everything. So in other words, they're looking for all that's going on, but what are they fixed on? The throne. Okay, that's the picture so far John has. And that's the background of this. And then we're taking a little bit through the rest of Revelation 4. There are two songs that happen. So the first one is from the four living creatures, the first of the two songs. And it basically says they sang a new song and then it said this and they speak of the words of this. And all it is is them singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and who is and who is to come. Now, we can think of that as kind of this placid, you know, they're singing the right things. I want you to understand when they're near the throne, that's all they can do and see is we see the Lord, holy, 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 which by the way is an expression of Trinitarian worship, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. So no matter what's going on all over the rule, heaven looks and sees God in his throne and says, that's what our center is, and there will, nothing will change that. Now, I love it because the four living creatures do that, and now the 24 elders respond on their own with a song. And they basically are so moved by this, it tells us, that they simply have to respond. And I love how they respond. They basically get off their thrones, fall face down, lay down their crowns, lay down everything they've ever been acclimated or elevated for, and then they worship in response. 
I mean, it's a beautiful, do you get the picture? So we've got the four living creatures worshiping, and then they are worshiping as And they say this, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. For you created everything, and by you they were created. In other words, they are now worshiping in response for who God is and all he's done. And by the way, he's over all of creation and all of the universe and all that there is. And that's their response. Now, before we go on, I want you to understand they're singing, and they're singing all the time. Like, it never ends. That's all they do. So I used to be a worship pastor, and I would always tease the teaching pastor, like, hey, I'm glad you get to do your teaching. Because teaching pastors tell you this, well, you get that worship stuff done, you kind of till the soil, and I'll have at it and get what's really mattering. I'm going to preach the word. And I would say to them, you need to realize that when we get to heaven, your job is done, and mine keeps going. Because <laughs> we worship forever. Yeah, we need some amens. And here's the thing. I'm okay because some of you go, oh, but, you know, I'm not into singing. I'm not a worshiper. I'm a thinker. I'm a doer. It's what I do. It's what I think. I'm not fluffy like that. <laughs> and I just want you to know, I've seen you in your cars. <laughs> I've seen you singing to things you probably don't want anybody else knowing you're singing to. It is funny when we're in our car and we think no one else can see us. No one can see me going... Nobody sees it. So I want to be really clear. This is not mandated singing in heaven. It is can't contain myself singing in heaven. And we're getting a window that all of heaven cannot contain themselves as they're sitting around the throne. That's the picture John's getting. Here's the Lord seated on his throne. Here's the elders and here's the four living creatures. And the four living creatures are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And the elders go, boom, on our faces, worthy are you to receive glory and power and honor for everything was created for you and by you and through you. That's the picture we're starting with, okay? So John sees this and now... In the spirit, in a sense, John's going to get this taken to a new depth and kind of a very particular moment. And in this particular moment, then we're moving into Revelation 5, and we're going to get to where we're going into more of these hymns, more of this response, because again, when people see who God is and what he's done, they cannot contain themselves. You thought karaoke was one thing? Eternity is us cranking like nothing else. And make no mistake, I'm really counting on some guitars and other things, and we're going to have that too. As far as I'm concerned, I'm hopeful. All right, so what happens is now he's got a picture, and he says at the throne, the one there who's the father is holding a scroll, and it says it's been sealed seven times. Now, again, seven often is a number of completion. There's lots of debates about what this means. I do want to tell you this, though, with a scroll, and it's double-sided. It tells us that written on both sides. We know enough from antiquity to know that when something was like that and sealed to that degree, it was of legal binding significance. In other words, what's being held really matters. And by the way, the only one who can open that owns it. In other words, if they don't own it, they can't open it. So John sees this now. Here's the scroll, sealed seven times, and then basically one angel in a loud voice says, hey, who can open this? And what happens in that moment is no one can. No one can on, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. No one is worthy to open it. And John, it just tells us briefly, he starts to cry and weep. And it's a moment. I can't create the moment for you, but I want to at least give you a picture of it. I want you to understand, this scroll 
we know now to be, think of it as the deed to the very earth, the deed to the very creation. God made creation and made us to be his, to be with him. And when sin enters, when the decay of it all enters, the deed is taken and no longer can be fully realized. And it's destroyed and no one can do anything about it on heaven, on earth, or under the earth. And John in that moment feels the weight of all of that inability. Now, I cannot manufacture that for you, but I want you to consider this. We live in a world where we do everything we can to somehow achieve enough to be okay. That's how we live. We are what I call transactional people. We can say anything we want, but we are always good as our last show, and we're always moving in the direction of can I do enough, be enough. And often, even as Christians, we somehow hope we can perform enough. And that's on a personal level. John feels it through all of history and all time that there's no one and no group and no being that can do what is needed to restore what was destroyed. And he aches and cries over it. Now, we're going to go on to great stuff. But I found myself this week going, I just want to pray more that my heart will ache and break over what no one and no way and no thing can ever do. Even in my own life, oftentimes I grieve more about my own sin for what people see and I feel embarrassed by than I do for the pain and destruction it causes. And I think John grieved over all of it. And it's easy to run past those moments, but when you see someone grieving, you're like, John is heartbroken in this moment. And it makes sense, doesn't it? So here he is. We've now seen heaven. It's beautiful, but we have this dilemma, and there's no way to overcome it. No one can even look inside or open it. Very simply, if you don't have the right to, if you're not worthy of it, if you haven't done what's required to own this scroll, it just sits. And then there's a shift. One of the elders turns to John and just says this simply, see the lion of Judah, the root of David, who has triumphed over this dilemma and is worthy, he says, of taking the scroll. Now, that's beautiful, isn't it? But here's where it gets kind of crazy funny. So John turns and he doesn't see a lion, he sees a lamb. And he sees a lamb that says it looks as if he's been slain. Now, I want you, we would run right past this most of the time, but this is central to, I think, what God would want to say to us even in this. And it's very simply this. You see, we want the lion. The lion is royalty. The lion is power. The lion is might to overcome whatever is needed. That's what we look to, isn't it, in God. And when the elder says it's the lion who comes, John sees the lamb who is slain. Just before we go on, is it possible that you and I constantly want Jesus to be a lion for us or want our way to be a lion or want by power and might us to change the world? And we miss that God's greatest act of power is his most vulnerable act of sacrifice. It's when he says the lion of Judah has overcome and conquered this John sees the lamb. And, and to be clear, it's not like John sees it and that's all there is. Oh, John's just looking that way. It's a kind of a, a skewed perspective from him. It says very simply this. 
John sees the lamb grab onto the scroll. And when the lamb grabs it, so beautifully, when he grabs it, it tells us the four creatures fall on their faces and the 24 elders fall on their faces. In other words, what they're just watching is something holy. And who do they bow to? Only to God. So in this moment, as the lamb is taking the scroll, they know something is changing everywhere in all of history and all of earth. And the four elders fall and the 24, or the 24 elders and the four living creatures all fall on their faces. And I love it because it says the 24 elders are, while they're falling, they have a harp and they have a bowl. Now, it doesn't really tell us how they do that. I'm kind of wondering how they felt. Like, is it, whoa, and it all stood out. But somehow John sees this. Now, those are significant, and, and I, I don't want to miss the beauty of this. They tell us that the, the bowl is the prayer of the saints, and the implication is that the harp is the worship of the saints. In other words, did you know that all of heaven takes every prayer that's ever lifted, and it goes into bowls? In other words, it's taken by heaven, and it's a beautiful aroma, it tells us, and it goes before the very Father. Did you know every prayer you've ever prayed is not lost? And I take great counsel on that because I prayed some stupid things. I'm not saying God doesn't. I think he looks at it and goes, aw, you're a little boy. I mean, I, I prayed for to be Jim West. God was like, oh, that's sweet. That's weird, but that's sweet. I love hearing that. I prayed for things that are deeply, but passionately needed. I prayed for heartbroken things as you have, and every single one of them, it says, the elders hold on to them. In the same way they're holding on to these harps, they are capturing and living through the beauty of the worship that is coming out of the people of God through history and out of the heaven itself. Do you get the picture of that? Like, I don't even want to go on and just go, okay, so the lamb gets the scroll, we know everything's changing, and harps and bowls are seen. Worship and intercession, worship and intercession, Worship and intercession. By the way, we're activist people. Why aren't we getting things done? Worship and intercession. What if that was more a part of the life of the church? And I don't mean you followed a list. I mean we actually passionately are crying out to God to move and actively, passionately discovering who he is to worship. It's just a great picture, isn't it? So in, in Revelation 5, now we're getting this picture, this different picture in this moment where everything is changing. <laughs> and, and I want to be clear as we get into it, because we're about to see worship again, it no longer speaks of the lion. Everything in heaven is looking at the lamb who was slain. That's who they see, even though the elder started with the lion of Judah has triumphed, which is a picture, but we see him as the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And now we get a window which is what we're going to look at today, into who Jesus is and what he accomplished because their worship tells us. Also, in case you don't know, this is the biggest window we have in all of Scripture into the climate of, of heaven, which is rooted around, it's focused on the throne and worshiping the one there. Whew. Try not to jump up and down, but I'm pumped by the whole thing. And I know I can't manufacture it, but maybe today we start asking, God, give us just a glimpse. Let us just see a little bit even if it just does a little bit to awaken us, because we realize worship for us is almost foreign, don't we? We don't worship anything and we don't bow for anyone. So I want you to hear now, we start very simply. There are going to be three different groups that are now going to give hymnody, kind of singing, and it goes back and forth. It goes through all three. 
So, so here it is. We're going to start. Or actually, maybe it's four now that I think about it. So we start, and here's a song, a new song that the elders and the four are singing. It says, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, speaking of the Lamb, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth. Now, I want to give us, I hope it, it makes sense, but I want to help play this out to really see the picture. They are seeing the lamb and what he's accomplished. And now they're saying, hey, it's a picture actually from Israel's history. Israel is in bondage to Egypt. And the way they get out is through the sacrifice of the Passover lamb. And they're freed. And they're going, oh, that was a great image. This is the real one. The lion triumphs in his most majestic, powerful moment by his weakest and most vulnerable act of sacrifice and death. And that bloodshed pays for the very ability to redeem people and to bring life out of death and to reclaim all of creation. That's why he has a scroll, by the way. Come on, that's awesome. But I don't want to miss the actual picture of it. It's every tongue and every tribe and every nation. And by the way, nation simply means ethnic group. It's not drawing lines. So I want you just to consider with me today. Are we not preoccupied with our own little corner of the world unbelievably? Are we not constantly demanding Jesus to be a lion in those places? We have not let him be the lamb. We want him to be a lion. And we've missed the fact that Jesus is about redeeming the whole world, every tribe and tongue and nation and people. It will never be centered on one group, ever. And I never want us to miss this. The lamb will not compromise or say, I need it to be through. The lamb will conquer. And every people and every tongue and every tribe will respond. Wow. Like that one? Man. You know, I'm really grateful for our church uh, because we've had a global priority as well as a local priority, meaning we want to reach the people around us, but we've also said we want to be part of reaching the world. And I get to go around the world at different times. If I did get to this summer, before, right before uh, my time away, and, uh, and I get to see different people groups around the world and what God's doing. And when you get a flavor of that, you never start to think what's happening here or what's happening by us is what matters most. The lamb will be the one that's victorious in every people, in every tribe, in every tongue. The lamb will be victorious because he wants every people and every tongue and every tribe and every group. That's much bigger than the way we've made Jesus a small little lion to fight our fights. I hope you get that picture. Like I said, I can't manufacture it, but I know it's true. So this is their, their reaction. And then I don't want to miss the final part of it. The whole point of them is to become a kingdom of priests and to serve God and reign on the earth. When God made Adam and Eve, when God made humanity, he said we would rule over the earth. In other words, he made us to be his priests and to have his kingdom rule and reign in this earth. And we said, no thanks. Even though it's Adam and Eve, let's realize all of us do this and have done it. We've said we'd like to have it be ours. And we want it to be our way and we want to live for us. That's why the scroll's where it is. That's why no one's worthy. That's why we're in the mess we're in. And this picture is a picture of the restoration 
When God ultimately returns, he brings a new heaven to the earth. It's not a disembodied leaving. It's a fully bodied coming. And then things will be right the way he intended at the very creation through the recreation as the greatest triumph of the lion is the triumph of the lamb. That, I hope you're moved by it. I, that doesn't mean I can't manufacture this, but I'm moved by it. <laughs> Jane and I were talking about last night, and I'm like, crap, I'm just crying again. What is going on with me? I, I think I'm just so moved. One of the things I love about who God is, you cannot argue with this. Every other thing we do, we do to try to achieve or even try to morally achieve. If we live the right way enough, then God will. This is not how it's done. The lamb is slain as the greatest act of royalty and power to reclaim the scroll and to literally have this happen. Wow, we get to be his priests and his servants. And, and I don't want to miss this. God is jealous for worship, not because he's needy, because there's nothing else worthy of it. It's how we're made and who we're made to be. The creator made us with this in mind. So that's one group. We move to the second group. It says, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they're now saying, which again, saying he's already said is singing. I just want you to understand. It's not like they went to chanting. He's now giving lyric to what they're singing. And now we have the angel song. Worthy is the lamb. The lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. You know, when I read the word worthy, sadly, my young adult life comes back to Wayne's world. <laughs> Which hopefully most of you are more holy than I am to not even know what that is. But there's a moment when these two guys meet Alice Cooper and they fall on the ground and go, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. And we use it kind of as a punchline and a joke, don't we? I mean, we still do today. I'm not worthy. That guy is so great. That woman is so great. This is so great. That's, I'm not worthy. Guess what? No one and nothing is worthy. We give honor to the wrong places. We give praise to the wrong places. We want power in the wrong places because we have substituted in our broken world something less than the only one who is worthy. And what I love is it's not Jesus demonstrating his worthiness as a lion mightily battling. It's him demonstrating his worthiness as a lamb weakly and vulnerably sacrificing. It messes with you, doesn't it? I love how it messes with me. I'm like, oh, yes. In my very soul, I know this to be true. I believe this is true. That's group two. Now we get on to us along with the rest of creation. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, sing, singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, to the father and to the son is what they're giving us. The Holy Spirit oftentimes is the one kind of imbuing this to us, really giving it to us. Be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. I know for me, it is hard. It works against everything in my sensibilities to actually worship. Because we're individual constituents, aren't we? 
We often even think about Jesus helps us get where we want, or Jesus is our advocate, or Jesus is our friend. Jesus is kind of the buddy who walks with us. And there's merit to those aspects. But Jesus, the Father, they're the only ones worthy of worship, worthy of glory and honor and praise. We looked at Philippians 2. Dina led us in this a few weeks ago. And it's a hymn where it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth. It's the idea that when everyone really sees who he is and really sees what he's done and sees the lamb, it won't be they're told they have to. We won't be able to contain ourselves because when we really get it, we want to. That, that's the beauty of this. I'm not trying to convince you even. I'm asking God to reveal it to you. Now we go to the final thing. This, this, is, this is my favorite part. So the, the four living creatures now are going to give their endorsement. They stand up and they say this, amen. It's like the mic drop moment, isn't it? Okay, here's the elders. They're singing, worthy is he to be praised. And they're going crazy. Here's the angels. They're singing the joy and the glory of who he is. And then here's all of creation singing about him and how he's worthy of honor and glory and praise. And the, the four living creatures just go, amen, boom. That is the best mic drop moment in history as far as I'm concerned. Come on. They're just saying it's true. It's true. It's true. See, it isn't about whether I can convince you. It isn't even about whether you can see it or not. It's, is it true? Jesus is the lion and the lamb. And I never want us to miss this significant and central understanding. The powerful royal lion triumphs as the weak and slain lamb. There's an excerpt in Revelation where it says the lion lies down with the lamb and people talk about like, well, the lion's rough and he can dominate and the lamb's tender and they're both together like it's these two beings coming together that can't be. Uh-uh. The lion and the lamb are the Messiah. Both. One and the same. The lion, the ruling, reigning king, is most powerfully seen as the serving, sacrificial, weak, and vulnerable lamb. That's Jesus. And his greatest power is seen, and his greatest worthiness is seen in his greatest sacrifice. He is worthy. Now, I realize I can't convince you of it. All the emotion, passion, reasoning won't do it. But I am going to ask God to meet us. We've been looking at Jesus in these last five weeks. And I'm going to simply pray and ask the Spirit to meet you. So I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I am going to guide a few things, but the Spirit may meet you a different way. Are you just open to say, God, reveal yourself? So, Lord, I pray that you'd meet us. Holy Spirit, awaken and speak and lead. And I will say this to a few of you as groups. Some of you have never said, I want the Lamb to forgive me and free me. And today you can. Jesus, thank you that you are the Lamb and you died to pay for my sin. You died to pay for sin. You died to bring life out of darkness. And just ask him to receive it and ask his spirit to fill you. For others of us, it is really hard to bow the knee. And I think today maybe the Lord's saying, am I worthy or not? Maybe you just ask him, would you show me who you are? that I see the worthiness of you and I will bow. And I give me a desire even to worship. 
And then let me just give you this one, and God may say something else. We are meant to be priests. That means we intercede for others and help others be covered and discover who he is. And we serve him to reveal him to a world in need as the lamb, not as the lion. What's God saying to you about that today? So Lord, speak. Lead, reveal, and move among us in your name. Amen. And we're going to do this one last activity that's something we do every week. We celebrate communion. And it is a beautiful way to receive what we've been given. And so hopefully you came in, you have the cups with you. If you didn't, any week you want to come in, just grab them. Communion's open to anybody who wants in some way to respond to Jesus. If it's a religious routine, if you're something not certain of, you don't have to. But there's no, like we're not trying to keep you from it. The top layer, you'll see the bread, and the bottom layer is the drink. And this fits, it's, the image is the body and the blood of Jesus. That's very simply what it is. And so we recognize today that we worship the lamb out of what he's done, that he is worthy, that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body, and it is given for you. He purchased us to be his priests and his people. Let's take of the body. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. That we drink of it because we drink of a new life and a new destiny. And we drink in the joy that we worship who he is. Let's take of the cup. And we want to finish the service with a little space for you to reflect. There's a worship song that came out not too long ago called Is He Worthy? And our team actually put it together on a video of several of them singing it. You can close your eyes. You can respond however you want. It is the very image of the text we just went through, the earlier part of it in particular. But just ask as you listen to it, God, help me to see your worthiness and help me to understand what this means. And let God minister and speak to you however he wants to as we listen and kind of respond together and then I'll give us a blessing before we leave. Take a look. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. Do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. It's all creation groaning. It is, is a new creation coming, it is, is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst, it is, is it good that we remind ourselves of this, it is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, 
worthy and we're all the ones who get to follow and get to worship get to become his people he's redeeming what was broken from the beginning of creation the first act of Adam and Eve and sin that every one of us participate in we know that and the lion (laughs) revealed his greatest royal power as the lamb He is worthy. I want us to discover that. I want heaven to open up that we'll see it more. And we'll live differently because of it. Maybe you stand and I just want to give you a blessing. Now before I do, I'll I'll just say too, I mean we did this series and we try to have purpose and meaning and be led 
very specifically out of Easter saying, we want to be elevating who Jesus is. Because we know the more we see him as he is, the more we live differently in response. Can't make you do it. Can't make it stick. But my hope is I see you riding around in your cars with music cranking, that's him. And I see you can't contain yourself in other moments. And you find in the quiet, you're sometimes on your face. Because you really saw the worthiness of him. And it changes how we live. And how we die, how all that goes. Maybe place your hands out. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with his spirit. May the spirit reveal to you the incredible worthiness of the lamb and of the one who sits on the throne. And may you join in with all of creation, responding to him that way and living for him and through him. For his glory and your joy, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.